I'm going crazy cause real life sucks I might quit my job because I hate it so much But I got new books and like they're the best So let's talk about them cause I'm pretty much obsessed Pretty much obsessed Pretty much obsessed Pretty much obsessed Hey everybody, welcome back to Pretty Much Obsessed. It's episode 10! Yeah! Double digits, baby. Oh! Alright, um, Heisenberg says relax. What? That's I'm going to start saying that. That's my new catchphrase. Well, uh, yeah, welcome back to the show. Um, it's a great week for comics, as Was always. It? I didn't read I think so. things. I, I, I played a bunch a, of really good stuff. played a lot of Pokemon. Not oh yeah, lie. that... That was I think the I'm around for this week. I think I'm around like 14 hours into the game. Nice. I'm at six. Because I have a job I have and a job. responsibilities. I have responsibilities, but I, <laughs> I actually um, am on vacation right now. I actually started my vacation. I haven't used any of my vacation days since I started well, my job. Isn't that nice for you? And I started my vacation the day Pokemon Sun and Moon came out. <laughs> so now I just have 10 days of time to like totally. And it's funny because I was kind of worried about it because as I've said on the show before, I play somewhat competitively. And if you want to play competitively, you have to first master the game and unlock, like find all the TMs and like unlock everything. And I was like, how am I going to, how am I going to have time for this on this new game? How am I going to, because when I did it on my Y version, I didn't have a job, so I just had plenty of time to do it. Yeah. But vacation time, man, for the win. Uh, we're going to go in-depth more on Pokemon Sun and Moon at the end of the episode. Uh, First, we're going to talk about comic books, because this is yeah. a comic book podcast. And some comic you'd book be news. For, you'd be forgiven for not knowing it right now. Yeah. Let's really get into the nitty-gritty on this. Let's uh, dive in to yeah. what our mission statement is. Now that Let's we're write on a episode, manifesto. Now that we're on episode 10, I think it's vital that we start to really define what kind of podcast is this? Yeah. The Pretty Much Obsessed Manifesto. We'll publish it on our website and maybe in zine format. Do we have a website? Leave it on people's doorsteps. <laughs> uh, well, you know, that's the first thing on the manifesto. Couldn't you make us like a website that's on your server? Um, that we're, pro- I could for probably... those of you who don't know, Dalton is a very successful sound engineer slash producer. You know what? And he has a server that we upload our podcast to. People need to tweet at us before I make us a website. Yeah, I'm. I agree. <laughs> at with P all. much obsessed. If you start tweeting at us, I'll make a website. And uh, if you tweet at us, you'll be entered in a. I'm gonna in a drawing. I'm gonna say drawing. <laughs> to win a really sweet Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back t-shirt. Yeah, um, it's a free t-shirt, guys. Which, if nobody wins it, I'm. it will be Dalton's Christmas present this year. And you'll notice we haven't put any content restrictions on the tweet. It can, there can be anything in the tweet. <laughs> Literally tweet us anything. You could, <laughs> even, you could even quote someone else's tweet and then just put at pretty, P much obsessed on it. And yeah. you still get in the drawing. Or just send us like spam, like... You know, like those webcam vid invite things from like obviously bot accounts. Like, I prefer if you don't send us anything illegal or pornographic. But like I said, <laughs> I'd prefer if you do. <laughs> You'll still so. be in the drawing if you do. So, <laughs> All right. uh, there's never been an easier way to potentially win a t-shirt. And it's, it um, is a really sweet t-shirt. I'm gonna tweet a picture of it later. 
Let's talk some news. Do we have some news to talk about? I got uh, one well, item. Well, we already breached the subject of Pokemon Sun and Moon being out. Uh, next on my list is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, Hit Theaters. Uh, that Hit is theaters out now. Last Friday, November, or not Yeah, last I think it just came out the November uh, 18th. Oh, yeah, November right? 18th. It was. I got confused because it was November 10th in uh, New York. Oh, we've had it for an extra week. Yeah. And it currently has a 76% on Rotten Tomatoes, so I guess it's apparently pretty good. I mean, 76% sounds a little underwhelming, but Rotten Tomatoes is also pretty harsh with their ratings. Well, I mean, mean, they're not... Either way, they're just... They tabulate everything, you know? It's just aggregation. And according to a good friend of ours... It's just hard numbers. A good friend of ours, shout out to Jeremy... It is apparently very, very good. I know yeah. he, he quite enjoyed it. We've not seen it yet. Um, I did see Arrival last night, though, and if you like sci-fi movies, man, is that a great sci-fi movie. Like really? Not like sci-fi action. Like It's not like Independence Day, but it's like heady sci-fi kind of stuff, like what, high-concept what sci-fi. What is that about? It's about uh, aliens finally arrive on Earth in like these 12 ships all around the globe, and it's about a linguist who is charged with trying to communicate with them. So it's all about this linguistics professor trying to find a way to teach them lang- the, our language or learn their language so that we can communicate and find out why they came um, and what they're here for. Uh, and so it's just really smart uh, sci-fi with, uh, that's always like surprising and uh, So what, 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 did you, what are some of the things you liked about it? Um, First of all, it outsmarted me. I always give props to any movie that outsmarts me. The ending, I did not see coming at all, like and it a, works like perfectly. A, there's like a twist or something? There's kind of like there's a kind of a twist. It's not even really a twist because it telegraphs it throughout the entire movie, uh, but it's kind of like all the pieces finally fall into place in a really smart and cohesive way. Um, Unlike and, a certain HBO show where... Everyone already has the entire thing figured out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one, this one totally blindsided me. Uh, I'm really about great world, by the way. Uh, really great know. performances. Uh, it's got um, Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner and uh, ooh, oh, why can't I think of his name? Uh, and the another guy that's famous. You know um, what my thing is about Amy Adams right now is that hmm. I'm all Lois Laned out. Well. She's not Lois Lane in this movie. She plays the linguistics professor I mentioned earlier. Yeah, but I just I um, used to really like her, and now that she has been Lois Lane in a couple movies, <laughs> a couple has, of maybe not very good movies. Yeah, yeah. Well, I actually like um, Man of Steel, but I know okay. that's controversial. Uh, uh-huh. I think that Batman v Superman is not good, <laughs> and I think that. <laughs> I just think they've made Lois Lane in those movies like the most boring character you could possibly imagine, like possibly right. And so it's kind of kill. It's ruined Amy Adams for me right now. Um, But if you're into like Twilight Zone style, uh, sort of Inception-y kind of sci-fi, check out Arrival. Uh, Very very smart movie um, with a lot of cool sequences in it. Okay. Um, uh, have you seen? Oh, by the way, I was gonna say back to Fantastic Beasts. Uh, oh yeah, seventy-five million dollars uh, domestic for opening weekend. Oh, and so far it's brought in two hundred eighteen million worldwide. Cool beans. That's so, a lot of money. 
I don't really usually, fo- I don't usually follow this stuff, so I don't really know how good that is. <laughs> is that a lot? I mean, it sounds, it's more money than I have. Dalton goes to movies, so I expect him to kind of know more. I don't really pay attention to box office stuff, though. Okay. Well, it seems impressive. Uh, how about that Valerian trailer? You see that? No. What is this? I don't even know about this. So Valerian, it's called like, it's got like a little sub extra title that I forgot to write down. I think it's like City of a Thousand Planets or something. But it's based on an old French comic book series from the 80s. Okay. Called Valerian and Laureline. And it's got some guy I've never heard of named Dane DeHaan in it and Cara Delevingne, who okay. I am I'm really quite fond of. Mm-hmm. And it looks amazing. You really should okay. check out the trailer. I should check out this trailer. You have to check out the trailer. Yeah, and people are pretty hype about this movie. I didn't know about it until just a couple days ago. I started kind of, I saw the trailer and saw some reaction videos and started kind of researching it. And it does look really cool. I do feel like I don't necessarily need to delve into a new sci-fi space universe thing right now. Because that's what this is, is like a super sci-fi, like outer space, crazy battle armor uh, all kinds of crazy aliens, CGI up the wazoo kind of movie. But um, Yeah, it's tough I, to like get into another one of those when we've yeah. already got Star Trek and Star Wars and now Guardians of the Galaxy. And there's more that I just can't think of right now. And it's like, how many of these do we need? You know? Yeah. How many different... Like separate canons of like different aliens with different languages and whatever. Like I don't know, but apparently this one is very detailed. For me, all I need is Jupiter's Legacy. So is that the movie that came? Jupiter Ascending. That's what I meant. Jupiter's Legacy is the Mark Miller comic. Jupiter Ascending. I think that might actually be one of the movies that is like somehow associated with this. I didn't really Jupiter Ascending. Well, okay. So the director is Luke Besson. Yeah, Luke Besson. Yeah, Luke Besson. You know him. He's a French director, yeah. Didn't he do, like, Cloud Atlas? Uh, did he? No, the Cloud Atlas was the Wachowskis, which was oh, okay. what Jupiter Ascending was. Well, I keep seeing this movie associated for some reason with Cloud Atlas, and uh, hmm. you don't know anything about any of this, which I was just kind <laughs> nope. of assuming you would. <laughs> nope. <laughs> well, let's move on. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, it does look like a really cool movie, and I'm very looking forward to Cara Delevingne's performance because she is quite... Uh, she's quite dis- quite a distinguished actress. I know what you're like trying not to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's really obvious. She's good, good uh, looking, good looking gal. All right, uh, that's all my news. Uh, in Marvel movie news, uh, Marvel movie fans may remember that uh, a while ago, Marvel announced all its Phase 3 movies, which included Black Panther and Captain Marvel, and somewhat surprisingly, it included Inhumans on the, I believe, 2019 schedule. Wait, I thought uh, that was a show. So that's what I'm getting to. So it was going to be a movie. It was going to be the last movie in the Phase 3 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then it was sort of quietly removed from the lineup a little bit later and uh, replaced with just sort of like an untitled movie. Um, it was re- announced this replaced week. Replaced with just, just question mark, like movie. <laughs> replaced with uh, the title Anything But Inhumans. Uh, <laughs> but they have announced that The Inhumans is actually going to be an ABC series like Agents of, Sh- of S.H.I.E.L.D. And the first two episodes will be shown in theaters as a movie uh, in sort of a limited run. Um, so... 
I think this is a smart move on Marvel's part because I think they kind of realized that the Inhumans in the comics and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. aren't taking off like they hoped they would, and maybe that an Inhumans movie wouldn't break the box office the way that all of their movies have. I mean, they've been taking some risks, like with Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant-Man and Doctor Strange, and they've all been successful, but I don't think Inhumans has that power. And so I think doing it as a TV show is a safer bet um, and then doing just kind of a limited theatrical run gets them that movie theater money. They still get to make some box office money, but not have the expectations of it being a big Marvel movie, you know? Um, as far <laughs> who are we clapping for here? I'm doing an ironic slow clap for Marvel because yeah. wow guys, way to play it. Yeah, they played it well. Um, I'm actually kind of interested. While the Inhuman comic books are fine, and I don't really get excited about them, but I read them, uh, it could be cool to see in a in a TV series. I could understand how that uh, could be done well. Um, it's weird, though. It's going to be the wackiest thing on TV if they stay true to the comics because Inhumans are all about this. Yeah, it's all about this like royal family of like people with crazy powers. Like there's Medusa with her like crazy long hair that she can like grab stuff with. And then uh, you've got Black Bolt, uh, who like every whenever he speaks, like he can like crumble a mountain with the power of his voice. Like it's gonna, it's and they live in like a floating city. Uh, it's it's gonna be weird. Like if they stick to it, you know. I think they should call it um, not X Men. <laughs> that should be the name of it. Yeah. Uh, Although I don't think they legally could. <laughs> No, that. probably not. Although, <laughs> actually, did you hear this week that Fox and Marvel have been doing some character trading? Um, it turns out that for Deadpool, Deadpool really wanted to use Negasonic Teenage Warhead, who was the uh, you know the teen girl mutant. Did uh, they but- though? They they quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes. They really wanted to use Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Apparently they did because I they thought, negotiated a trade with Marvel over it. I was uh, under the impression that they used kind of like a cheap knockoff Marvel character. Well, not knockoff, but like an obscure Marvel character because that was like, you know, the, they didn't have a huge budget. Um, it, and, no, they, it's, it's, and, and the character in the movie, other than the name, like from what I remember, she really has nothing in common with the com- com- comic book counterpart. So the, that is where actually this comes in. So Fox wanted to use Negasonic Teenage Warhead, and while they do have rights to the character, their rights stipulate that like the character has to be somewhat faithful to the comic book f- version, and what they wanted to do with her was not faithful at all. And so they basically went to Marvel and was like, "We this is what we want to do with Negasonic Teenage Warhead. What do you want so that we can do it? And so Marvel requested... Uh, to get one of their characters back in order for them to be able to do that. And you may be thinking, ooh, who did they get back? Was it Doctor Doom? Was it, uh, you know, Mr. Fantastic? It's going to be something stupid. It was Ego, the living planet, uh, who I don't know if that's a Fantastic Four or X-Men character, but it's a planet with a big face that is alive. Um, it's a character lame enough that you don't know what it is, basically. I have not read any comics, I don't think, with Ego. But Ego, the Living Planet, is going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, played by Kurt Russell. Um, so uh, they got the rights back to use him in Guardians of the Galaxy. So we'll see if it ends up being worth it, and, or if they maybe should have asked for someone else. But 
uh, I just thought it was interesting that they are like actively communicating and like trading characters. Uh, but it also indicates that maybe there wasn't this sort of like merger that we had talked about a couple weeks ago where maybe uh, that new uh, Legion series was going to be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It seems like maybe that wasn't actually true, but we'll see. Okay, I, I, it's, a, it's a big mess, I feel, what's going on yeah. over there at Marvel. Negotiating the, the Marvel rights is kind of a nightmare. And it sucks because everything Marvel does is so good, but like, it's just sad that we're never going to see the X-Men or the Fantastic Four become part of it. Yeah. Um, Maybe the Fantastic Four, now that those movies keep tanking. I would love to see a Marvel Cinematic Universe version of Fantastic Four. I love them. Did Fantastic Four make money, though? No, I don't think so. I think it bombed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because, like, you know, Suicide Squad, or to take a better example, because I actually kind of liked Suicide Squad, but Batman v Superman was, like, pretty bad. Can I say that? Are there? I mean, there's probably legions of fans that... I'm are. pretty sure there's not. I don't think anyone likes that movie. <laughs> no, there I don't are I've heard of anyone. There, there really are. There, I have like one hard, coworker that liked it. Hardcore DC fans that that like that movie. Uh, and okay. if you go on the internet and search, like you'll find like their comments. Like they get very very upset when you well, criticize it. But we can say uh, it's bad. It's our but podcast. It's, it still made a ton of money though. Yeah, but. If you look at like the patterns, now I am going to talk about box office. Uh, while it took in a lot of money the first week, the fall off to the second week was pretty steep. Because once word got out how bad it was, like there was a pretty steep decline in, uh, in money that it made. Um, which I think led to all these rumors of uh, Warner Brothers management kind of shaking up the DC universe and reshooting Suicide Squad. And Are you still excited stuff. for Wonder Woman? Uh, tentatively. Yeah. I think the trailer's really cool, but, uh, I've learned Same. not to get my hopes up. Agree. Yeah. Um, you want to talk some comics? Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk some comics right now. Uh, Let's go over warning. we're going to talk about in case you are afraid of spoilers. Cause yes, will, because there will likely be spoilers. We're changing our name to the Spoiler Brothers. Spoiler Bros. Super Spoiler Bros. Super Spoiler Bros. That's just... not a bad name for a podcast. Yeah, we'll probably reboot this podcast once we get better at it, and then we'll and, then, and we'll call it that probably. Um, let's talk about Marvel books first. Okay. Oh wait, no, I was going to go through what all we read. Deadpool twenty two for for me, uh, Infamous Iron Man two, Batman number eleven, Suicide Squad number six, and Superman eleven. Those are that's uh, my list. I read a lot, but I think what I want to talk about. Are oh and uh, killer be killed for, yeah definitely killer be killed. I wanted to briefly touch on reborn number two from Image, um, Black Hammer number five. Uh, I'm gonna fill you in on what happened in Amazing Spider-Man this week because it ties into Clone Conspiracy. Um, Jessica Jones number two and Thanos number one. Okay, before we go any further, actually let indeed let us go further. I guess I'm, <laughs> I'm not really stopping anything. Let's talk about Jessica Jones first because I want to. Did you know read it, it? No, I didn't, and I want to know if it was good. I think if you didn't like the first issue, you're not going to like this one either. It's okay. continuing case, like a case closed. It's, <laughs> it's continuing a slow burn. It's definitely a slow burn. In this one, we get to see Luke confront Jessica about their missing baby. Uh, Jessica just kind of leaves the conversation by like leaping away as she does. Um, it turns out that her mother 
is holding on to their baby, uh, who Jessica does not have a good relationship with, which is why Luke hasn't gone to her because he doesn't know that they're talking. Um, there's still kind of the mystery of why Jessica goes in jail and what she's protecting the baby from. Uh, and this doesn't really give any answers to that. Um, but then at the end, she gets attacked by Spot, uh, who I, or Black Spot maybe his name is, uh, this sort of daredevil uh, villain who can make, he's kind of a cartoony kind of guy. He can make like black holes in space and like just kind of reach out of it and uh, sort of disappear through these tunnels that he creates in midair. And that she gets attacked fun. by him at the end. Um and uh, so that kind of brings some super villainy into it all of a sudden. Uh, there's a lot kind of dangling, though. Like, we've got, like, this, uh, you know, she's trying to solve this case for that woman she met in issue one about her husband. Uh, it turns out, spoiler alert, in this issue that the woman that hired her is now dead, and they don't know why. So she's, like, going to try to investigate that while also hiding her baby from her husband and avoiding superheroes and then getting attacked by Spot. So there's a lot of balls up in the air. Uh, it is definitely a slow burn, which I think is what you didn't like about the first one, that nothing really well, it, nothing it, really concrete I, happened. And I can handle a slow burn, but that was just like... I didn't know what anybody was talking about and nothing happened. Yeah. I so mean, this definitely why this would moves I things forward. That? I would say this definitely moves things forward, but it kind of inches every storyline forward by a little bit. Um, and uh, I, I still am really enjoying it, but I do kind of feel like I'm walking a tight wire with this one where it's like, if any of these threads don't really uh, flesh out soon, I might lose interest. Okay. Um, but I trust this creative team. I mean, they did the original alias that turned Jessica Jones into a star. So uh, I'm, I'm along for the ride. Yeah, I mean, I was certainly expecting it to be very good. And I'm not saying I won't at some point pick it up if you tell me, like, hey, man, Jessica Jones is just, it just popped off, you know? Yeah, this might be one of those ones where, like, we'll wait until the arc finishes and then it's one to read in paperback, you know, when you can just read it straight through and you don't have to be waiting a month between issues. Yeah. This one might definitely work better in paperback. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Was there another one that you read that's not on my list for my Um, Yeah, I wanted to fill you on on Amazing Spider-Man, number 21. Uh, So Clone Conspiracy right now is the main Spider-Man book, which we've been talking about and have had mixed feelings on. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man is now just kind of filling in some of the gaps um, in Clone Conspiracy. Uh, And this week was all about, uh, of course, the big reveal in Clone Conspiracy number two that we talked about last week was that Spider-Gwen is... uh, impersonating the real Gwen Stacy uh, of Spider-Man's universe and is working with the Scarlet Spider. And the actual Gwen Stacy is being held at the Scarlet Spider's um, uh, apartment. Uh, So this kind of fills in how the Scarlet Spider got involved, how he met Spider-Gwen. And it turns out... uh, Scarlet Spider, if people don't know, uh, is Ben Riley, who is a clone of Peter Parker from the original Clone Saga. Um, so uh, he is one of these clones made by the Jackal, but from decades ago, from the original Clone Saga. Uh, and we find out that him being cloned has given him this disease that he is rapidly dying of that essentially turns him into a zombie. And so uh, if you'll remember, at the end of Clone Conspiracy number 2, Peter says... Uh, or Scarlet Spider says uh, to Peter, like, you cause 
all of this or something. I don't remember. Like the world ends and it's your fault or something like that. That they're here to stop him. I'm trying to go back to clone conspiracy to remember. Uh, That's all right. <laughs> but basically, Scarlet Scarlet Spider finds out that all of these clones eventually are going to deteriorate and turn into these zombies that will end up destroying the world. Um, and he's seen it happen on all these parallel universes because uh, he kind of travels between universes, and he always sees this happen, and he always sees it happen because of Parker Industries. Okay, um, and I so rem- I remember him making some kind of comment that alluded to that, and yeah. I didn't know what he was talking about. So Scarlet Spider <laughs> is teaming up with Spider Gwen to try to stop the outbreak of this disease and all these clones before it happens, and before he dies of the uh, the disease himself. Um, so it actually gives a lot of kind of pertinent information to clone conspiracy. Um, but, uh, a lot of it, you know, clone conspiracy will probably function even if you haven't read that, you know? Uh, but I found it made clone conspiracy a lot more interesting for me, sort of getting all this, uh, backstory. Kind of like fleshes out the story a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what happened there. So, uh, if they mention it in clone conspiracy number three, Ben Riley is dying of this disease and is trying to prevent all the other clones from getting it. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so next would be Deadpool number 22. Yeah. So uh, you've recently jumped on Deadpool. You jumped on with the issue about the girl that was going to kill herself, uh, number, number 20. 20. Yeah. And then a new arc started with number 21 with Madcap coming to get his revenge on Deadpool. So what have you been thinking? Is... I have a question. Is Madcap like a, one of the primary Deadpool villains? Like, is he a classic kind of Deadpool Not that I know of. Something? I don't think so. Uh, I think he was just kind of like one of these like D-list Marvel characters that uh, Jerry Duggan kind of picked out of obscurity and used in this arc. Remember, this is issue 22. Uh, so Madcap uh, was in the like first arc of this. Oh, okay. uh, and he has had a history before. Like Deadpool alludes to this time where him and Madcap shared the same brain. I don't know when that happened, but it happened in some Deadpool book a while ago. So he has been in Deadpool before. I don't know how much of a how big he is on like Deadpool's rogues gallery necessarily, but okay. They've definitely uh, well, yeah, had... I wasn't even sure. I mean, it's, if it's really fair to say like Deadpool has a rogues gallery because Deadpool's right. kind of like a weird, different kind of thing. Yeah. But in any case, um, yeah, I, I like this. It's good. I'm enjoying I've it. Thought, I've thought this arc is, has been really great. Uh, uh, as I've told you before, I think Jerry Duggan's really good at balancing like the funny Deadpool with like stories that actually matter. Yeah, that's and, the like, cool thing about it is like it's, it's actually funny. Like when Deadpool's trying to be funny, it's actually funny. Yeah, and I think like I'm already kind of hooked on this antagonistic relationship between Deadpool and Madcap. It's interesting. Yeah, they're both different. Seem like different kinds of characters than what we normally see in comics. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, the thing with Madcap, like, growing in somebody's stomach, like, it's just so creepy. Yeah, like, that's, like, really fucked up. And then I also love uh, in this issue where, like, Deadpool wakes up, like, during his autopsy. uh, Yeah. At the beginning, uh, because they, like, these doctors thought he was dead, so, like, he wakes up and, like, his chest has been cut open and, like, his intestines are hanging out, and he's like, just put everything back where you found it. So did he get killed? Was was it in twenty one that he got killed by whoever like the guy Madcap is growing inside? Yeah. So uh, so he encountered Mad- him at the end of issue twenty one, and then next thing we know, he's like on an autopsy table and he's waking up and trying to get out of there. 
Yeah, I'm trying to go back to issue 21 and sift through all the Shakespeare stuff that was at the back of it. And then I feel like there was this sort of like side quest where he had to pay... Did he have to like pay his rent to the mob or something? Yeah, there was like a little side story here where like uh, he goes back to his like ruined uh, building and they're like, you have to pay for your rent. And then he goes and like steals the money. Uh, yeah, he, but he like steals money from the mob because they control the horse races. Yeah. So he dresses up like Spider-Man with a Santa Claus hat. Oh man, I forgot about that. That was so funny. And he goes and pulls a heist on like the wherever they keep the money for the horse races. Yeah. And then he goes and pays back the guy so that the money goes back to where he took it from. It's it's pretty funny. Yeah. Oh, I remember here. Okay, so I'm looking at issue 21. So they have this big fight in the zoo, right, which was awesome, where Deadpool's, like, throwing penguins at the bad guys. Oh, yeah. Um, and then they sprayed something in his face, uh, and that stuff, whatever they sprayed in his face made like his eyes bleed. Um, and he like, he seemed to like die, uh, in the snow. So it seems like in this issue, he ends up healing from what they sp- sprayed in his face, but it's contagious. And that's kind of sort of what's revealed at the end is that he's still infected with it. And now it's going to affect everyone that he comes in contact with. Um, so oh, okay. even though he can heal, the people around him can't. Um, and so that's why, like, sort of the big twist at the end here is that he goes to his daughter's place uh, for dinner, and they all get infected with it at the end. I didn't realize there was, like, that much information given there about what actually was going on. Yeah, so, uh, well, I mean, you see him just get sprayed at the end of issue 21, and then we see him go and get dinner, and at the end, he gets that uh, phone call about yeah. how the coroners are dead right. um, and that his suit was put in like biohazard. And then he uh, he looks in the window and his family is like, you know, in pain and like passing out. And I also did not know that that woman was his daughter. The So the young girl is his daughter. The uh, The woman is his like shield partner from the last Deadpool arc. Uh, and she's like, she's actually like a robot, sort of. Does she um, know that she's his daughter? Um, yes. So Does, doesn't she call him Deadpool? Yes, uh, I believe that his daughter. Do- oh no, maybe his daughter actually doesn't know that he's her dad because uh, they're trying to protect her from all of like the Deadpool villains and stuff, and so she's yeah. just living with uh, yeah. this family. And Deadpool just kind of stops by, but I don't actually remember if she knows that Deadpool is her dad or not. I think she, well, okay. But her name is Ellie and that's Deadpool's daughter. And she's, uh, living with Preston, who is the shield agent that he, uh, used to be partners with. Okay. And now they all seem to be infected by whatever Deadpool had, uh, which is pretty scary. And that's kind of what I like is like, there are serious stakes to this, you know, it's not just like Deadpool is a goofy guy that goes around and kills people. Like they're giving him stories that like are emotional, you know? Sure. And like yeah. real stuff to deal with, some dark stuff to deal with. But also he's funny and he goes around and steals stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it's a good balance. Yeah. Uh, how about Infamous Iron Man number two? In which the thing breaks a bunch of shit. Yeah. He's kind of being a, a douche. 
Yeah. Um, so uh, a quick recap, Infamous Iron Man number two, of course, is, uh, as we talked about last month, um, Dr. Doom is the new Iron Man and seems to be a good guy, as far as we can tell. Uh, and in this issue, the Thing has been tasked with finding him and bringing him in. Uh, the Thing who is the only, no, no, the Human Torch is still around, but, you know, the Fantastic Four are no more. So the Thing is just kind of operating on his own. Torch uh, actually showed up in Deadpool. Yeah. Torch is part of the Uncanny Avengers, which is a team with Deadpool on it, so they're kind of okay. together. And the Thing became one of the Guardians of the Galaxy. <clears throat> okay. All right. Yeah. Continue. Um, what did you think of this issue? Uh, we're s- this is still sort of the beginning of this series, so I think it's what interesting. Are you thinking? I like anti-heroes. They're usually my favorite characters. Yeah, and especially this kind of anti-hero where we don't actually know what his motives are yeah. or if he's truly good or not. It's completely vague because there's still that very ominous kind of uh, tone to just his presence and his demeanor and what he's yeah. saying. But he at co- the same he time, he confronts he's... the uh, the mad thinker here, and like I think he kills the mad thinker. It seems like it. Mm-hmm. Seems like he like blows up the whole compound. Which is why I say like really more of an anti-hero. Yeah, definitely. Because <clears throat> he's still killing people when he, he wants to. He blows up the compound, but then he leaves and comes back when he sees that those like kids are in danger yeah, from like a surviving a robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I like uh, I like Doctor Doom so far from what I'm seeing of him. I didn't really know him at all. Yeah, Doctor Doom uh, is sort of like the Marvel villain. Like I would say he's like one of the top uh, Marvel villains in their roster, uh, and. Uh, it's cool to see him in this new light. I really also love the artwork in this. Who does it? I think it's the same person that did International Iron Man. Uh, uh, and it is pretty good. Bendis's dialogue, I think, works really well for the character. Um, Alex Maleev is the artist, and he does a really great job on this. So many of the Marvel books I've been reading lately have that kind of like darker, grittier tone in the art. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, but I also think that's kind of the books that you're attracted to. No, I'm, ac- I'm more attracted to the p- color, more colorful, like poppy ones. Like really, um, like what we like, saw in Deadpool, just and this Champions. last issue of Deadpool. I noticed it, and, and Champions. Yeah, those yeah. are usually the the books that I like the most. Um. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I always associate you as a Batman guy, so that's why I said that. Um, I feel like Batman doesn't even like, and it's not even like dark gritty. I don't know if those are the right adjectives for what I'm trying to describe, but like. This is definitely kind of a muted color palette here. Yeah. Like, and it's it's got a very distinct color palette of like blues and greens, like kind of Doctor Doom colors, you know, like these yeah. like uh, subtle, uh, cool tones. And the art um, that they're doing like in Tom King's Batman right now isn't really like that. It's more of like yeah. colorful, I think, and, and poppier. Like when he goes to this mad when the to the mad thinkers lair, like all the lights are green. The monster he's building is like green. Like yeah. you know, all these like. Uh, blue and green is like the palette for this. This issue also made me realize how much I've missed Ben Grimm. Oh, I love the thing. It bums me out so hard that we don't have a Fantastic Four book right now. He shouldn't have broke those vases, though. I know. So, so mean. there's a part where the thing I mean, goes to what is that? Yeah. What's that c- country called? Uh, the Latvian Embassy. Latveria is the country that Doom was the king of. Okay, so yeah, so the thing goes there, like looking for Doom, and he and they don't. They either don't know where he is or they're not talking. So he starts just like breaking all these priceless vases that have been in their yeah. culture for like thousands of years. And it's, I'm but just like, dude, come on. In his defense, 
Ben Grimm has always been a punch first, ask questions later kind of guy. Uh, and second of all, Latveria is kind of a nasty country. They've done some bad stuff over the years. So, well, um, all right. but yeah, I mean, yeah, that, these are things that I I am not aware of. <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of a dick move. Um. So yeah, I don't. I I mean, I don't have too much to say about that. I feel like we're kind of waiting to see where this is all going. Yeah, and learning more about. Uh, I think it's going to be crucial that they don't kind of linger on this like what are his motives kind of thing because they need to start fleshing out who Doom is now, you know, like what he wants, what his motives are, Uh, and I hope they start doing that soon. Yeah. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis, who writes this, is also the one that created Jessica Jones and is writing that right now um, and is writing Civil War II. Busy guy. Mm -hmm. He also writes Guardians of the Galaxy and (laughs) Spider-Man with Miles Morales. Uh, He writes a lot of books for Marvel. He's kind of the big shot there. I want to jump on to uh, Miles Morales real soon, whenever I get a good point to jump in. I think not this next issue, but the one after that will be a good jumping on point. They're still okay. in this Civil War II tie-in right now, you know. so you want to wait till that mess is over before you jump on. You could Try to remind me next week when we talk about upcoming, like, whatever. Yeah. Because so I, I really want to read that. Yeah. Um, so on to DC? Sure. So... Batman number 11, mm-hmm. the greatest comic book series ever uh, of all time. This what run on Batman? This, what did you think of this issue? I'm, I mean, I'm being hyperbolic. It's definitely not the best of all time, but it is quite good. I am definitely enjoying it. Um, and I think it's really clever what he's doing, but something, something is not clicking about this series for me. And I can't tell what it is. And I'm almost wondering... You mean the current arc? Because I know you really liked it before. I really liked the first series. But even then, remember, I was kind of up and down issue to issue. Remember, like, issue three I really didn't like. And issue two I loved. Um, Or no, I think it was issue four and issue three. Uh, But I... This is going to be a bold statement. But I just don't know if Tom King is ready to headline a, a, like, major core superhero title Hmm. um and i love tom king we've talked about the vision and how the vision is one of the best series i've ever read yeah uh and but he's primarily been doing sort of like these weirder books you know he did sheriff of babylon for image which was sort of a strange book and he did the vision which was super bizarre and now he's running batman which is like that's a that those are big shoes to fill you know running the main batman title and I don't know that he's fully like locked into like what that needs to be. Sort of like what makes it all tick. Yeah, what makes like how do you make th- how do you take like a- this iconic character and like flesh out your version of him? Um, and I think because it seems like all the elements are there. Like, oh yeah, team him up with Black Cat and some bad guys to like go to Bane, but like. And while the ideas are really exciting, when I'm reading this, the execution doesn't get me as pumped as the concept does. Did you say if team that makes up sense. with Black Cat? Oh, sorry. Marvel mode. Catwoman. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I knew somebody nerd. else was going to catch that if I didn't. Yep. Bad um, nerd. So we're going to spoil the crap out of this like we are with everything. Um, sure. He is assaulting Santa Prisca to try to get the Psycho Pirate out because she, Psycho Pirate is the key to saving 
Gotham Girl from yep. The Depths of Insanity. <clears throat> and this has been, you know, this is obviously being billed as a suicide mission. He came up with some type of plan with Amanda Waller a few issues back. This was before the Monster Men thing happened. Uh, and he put together his own little suicide squad of, of prisoners, you know, supervillain type characters to help him break into uh, Pinaduro, which is the prison in Santa Prisca that uh, Bane grew up in. And now he like lives there slash rules the country, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um and where was I going with that? That's that's so that's what's happening right now. Um, his team consists of Punch and Julie, which are two characters I never really knew before, but I'm I like them. I'm glad he went with them. Did we find out if they are previously <clears throat> yeah, they established are. characters? Okay. Yeah, they've been around for a while. I was reading about okay. them a little bit, and they kind of have an interesting history. If you want to follow it up, they're apparently known for being completely amoral people. <clears throat> very easily underestimated because of how silly they are. Yeah. But they have this kind of like propensity for like horrible violence. Okay. And it, like it means nothing to them. Um, and I really, in- I like their banter in this issue a lot. They're really funny. That, that was like a highlight for me. Um, yeah. They do and have then some good banter here, which is really got, annoying to the other guy. He's got this guy, Bronze Tiger, who I don't know yeah. where he came from. I still haven't looked up if he's like in a previously established character. He's got the original ventriloquist. Uh, I want to say it's like something Wes, Wex, Wesker, Wexer, Wesker. Yeah. Uh, the original ventriloquist, who's this creepy little old guy. We haven't really seen him do anything yet. And then, of course, Catwoman, Selena Kyle, who we've just recently found out is a mass murderer. Mm-hmm. So they've got, obviously, as Batman always does, a sweet plan to go in there and rescue the psycho pirate. And then at the end of the issue, Catwoman betrays everyone uh, in exchange for apparently a plane out of Santa Prisca and like a a bunch of money and a fresh start at life because that's the kind of thing that Catwoman is always after. Because it, it it sounds like you know once this mission is over she's gonna have to go back to prison right. you know and just disappear and she she sees the, like betraying as like a way finally out of all of it away from Batman and away from the prison right because uh, they're supposed she's 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 been sentenced to death by lethal injection for killing like over two hundred people yeah which we I'd, find out in issue ten that she only did that because um, they like blew it was like a bunch of terrorists that blew up her childhood orphanage. Mm-hmm. So she went and like systematically killed everyone, every member of the terrorist group. So she has yeah. this like sympathetic story for why she did it, but she still killed a bunch of people and the state has sentenced her to death. And so she's like, I'm out of here. I know this little plan Batman has isn't going to work to get me out of prison. And then she kills two people. Yeah. Well, she kills. Uh, we don't know for sure. Spoil if it. Yeah. Punch and Julie. We don't know yeah, for sure. Yeah, it looks if like she kills dead. Punch and Julie. I'm I'm guessing maybe they're not dead because comic. I mean, books, she like cuts their throats pretty yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, they're like bleeding up, out. Yeah, like that was hardcore. I was like, Catwoman, calm down. <laughs> I looked up Bronze Tiger. Uh, he is an established character. It looks like he was in Suicide Squad, and he's been a member of the League of Assassins. Okay. Um, and he was actually on the TV show Arrow, huh. um, for an episode. So very good. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I, I continue to like love the ideas that are being put in place. Like even like 
the the lingering mystery of like why is the ventriloquist here? Like we haven't actually gotten to seeing why Wesker is part of the plan yet. Yeah. And like that mystery is still really intriguing to me. Like I really want to know like what Batman's plan is. Yeah, I know um, he's going to do something crazy cuz so far he hasn't done anything and there's got to yeah. be a reason why he's in this. Right. And he's so pro- I, I feel like he's probably going to be like the reason that they get out. I would say my I I don't I'm not like disliking this series at all, but my level of excitement about the ideas that are being put forward is higher than my level of excitement about reading it as I go through, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, and there's definitely moments of brilliance, like that opening of the last issue, which was like Bane I like, feel like that as about, a kid. I feel like that know? about Westworld right now, actually. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, so my biggest complaint with this book is that we're not really getting much Bane. He's kind of like the center of the story arc, but at the same time, like all we see is like him sitting in the shadows and like you see the silhouette and you kind of see his face a little bit, yeah. but he's not really I'm, doing very much. It seems like that might change next issue. Yeah, but how many issues are left in this story arc, you know? Probably um, two? Maybe two or three. Yeah, the first arc was like, what, five issues? Um, so if we if we stick to that... Yeah, the first oh, yeah, arc was, okay, right. it was five issues, so maybe we'll get five of this. We might have three more issues. That would be two more. Have we had... Oh, we have this three, started uh, with three issues. Nine. Of this. That's right, that's right. So, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming there's going to be, like... he. I think he's trying to build up the suspense and the anticipation for this climactic showdown with Bane. Yeah. But, like, I'm going to... I feel like it's going to be over, and I'm not going to feel satisfied. I'm going to feel like I still didn't get enough Bane. And we like well, we still haven't seen him in his mask. We still haven't seen him actually fight. We saw him on the anything. cover with his mask, which was kind of interesting. Yeah, and that He's got me really amped. The, the issue yeah. that got me really amped. I was like, oh, finally! And then and then he still didn't really do anything. You know, I kind of felt the same way with Infamous Iron Man this week, where like the cover was Doom and the Thing fighting, yeah. and then like the Thing breaks into his apartment on the last page of the issue, and then it's like to be continued. So I mean, they definitely do it on purpose. Yeah. Um, comics. Yeah. But, but yeah, overall, I, I like it. I was, I was definitely really surprised when Selena betrayed everybody. I was uh, too. Yeah. Didn't really see that coming at all. I feel like everyone should have seen that coming too, including Batman. Like yeah. you and I and Batman should all have seen coming that Catwoman was going to betray them. But that's what makes her so good as a character yeah. is like, you always want to see her have this like arc of redemption and she and, never does. And you want it so bad. And ev- it's like when, when Lucy holds out the football for Charlie Brown. <laughs> and he, he's like, and every time he wants to kick it, like every time you want Selena to be good. And then like every once in a while she kind of is. But then, <laughs> but then she goes and does something like even worse to like cancel it out. Yep. She's, she's so well done as a character. She walks that line of between good and badness so effectively. Yeah. Um, kill or be killed. Should we talk about that or, um, well, I was or did you want to talk about Superman? Yeah. I mean, I was going to really quickly mention suicide squad number six. It's, oh. it's pretty good. Suicide still, squad is, pr- it's leveled out right now. Still maintaining the status quo. Yeah. Yeah. Kay. It's not blowing me away and it totally could be. So that's disappointing because <laughs> all the ingredients are there for it to be a mind blowingly good, uh, book, but Overall, I mean, it's just it's fine. I'm I'm entertained by it. I love the characters as always. Yeah. And what's going on right now is they found that giant. It's like some kind of weird black orb, black hole thing that they 
extracted from some hostile foreign country and it has General Zod inside it and they brought it back to Bel Reeve and apparently they figured out this issue kind of after the fact they realized that it's making everybody kind of go crazy and and be like inexplicably violent mm-hmm. which is obviously not an entirely original concept but the kind of interesting thing about it is that everybody's all attacking each other now and Harley who was like the already insane homicidal one had the mm-hmm. it had the opposite effect on her and it okay. put her back to normal. So now Harley Quinn is quote unquote sane again. This was like sort of, there was a big crossover in Marvel like two years ago where uh, all of the good guys and bad guys sort of like got their motivation switched. And so the Avengers were like bad guys and like uh, all the villains had to stop them and stuff. And Yeah. Okay. So it's not really revealed like what's I mean that's it's kind of unclear what's going to happen because we're at the end of this last issue uh everybody was just kind of like fighting and it's turning into this big chaotic scene and then Harley is like putting on her like lab coat and her little uh psychiatrist glasses and stuff and and <laughs> like clearly kind of like setting herself up to quote unquote save the day so right. I'm kind of excited to see what happens in a couple weeks here but okay. then onward to Superman number 11. I'll quickly go over. Um, yeah, I somehow happened. missed it this week. So I'm going to catch up on it. I'll read it, but I somehow missed it. It was pretty good. A lot of the storytelling I thought was kind of messy, like through through most of it. So I didn't really get into it until the end. But the basically the super dads, Batman mm-hmm. and Superman, after Damien and John were having their little fight, which for those who may not know, those are the, the kids, Superman's and Batman's kids. Um, and they're fighting and not getting along. And the dads want them to be friends and work together <laughs> so that someday they can save the day together when, when Batman and Superman get too old. Mm-hmm. And so they put them in this little, like, they basically, like, micromanage this little situation that they put them in to try to, like, make them work together. It's like a little trial game thingy. Okay. Using, like, um, Nobody, who's that hero from the previous issue, that girl that Damien is friends with. Yeah, yeah. And Goliath is in on it. And I can't really explain, like, how it all happens. And it's and that's where I was saying, like, it's kind of messy and cluttery, mm-hmm. and it's hard to tell on a lot of the panels, like, what's going on exactly. Yeah. But then there are some good emotional beats at the end of everybody coming together, and you you see like some a glimmer of hope for Damien and John to become reluctant buddies and yeah. everybody like puts their hands around each other arms around each other and and laughs and they pick out christmas trees and it's like a good superman ending i think overall like this whole superman series has been like sort of sloppy and unpredictable but it's all held together by how well the family dynamics are written yeah you know yeah. Uh, the family dynamics with Clark and John have been just like really, really tight. And so even when this series gets like really weird and sloppy, like it's still worth it to check in on. Yeah. And it still manages to stay kind of like endearing. Yeah, definitely. Which, which is, you know, says a lot. I mean, for people who like Superman, that's kind of important. That's kind of what Superman brings to the table is like something that you can like feel warm fuzzies inside at the end of the day. Yeah. Agreed. So yeah, on to Kill or Be Killed. Oh man, this keeps getting darker and darker. I 
Okay. Do you want to give a summary of what happened? Yeah. So in this issue, I'm bad with names, so you might have to remind me their names. Uh, Who's our main character? Yeah, I don't know. I forget his name. Uh, Our main character, who has been uh, tasked by a demon to kill one person every month or else he will die, uh, he starts sleeping with his ex again, who is currently dating his roommate. Wait, she's his Um, ex? Didn't they date? No. I didn't think Just they were Just sort dated. of like his like unrequited love. His like yeah. un- unrequited love. They start sleeping together even though she's dating his roommate. And meanwhile, he also keeps looking for someone new to kill. And he thinks he finds someone. And then it doesn't exactly go smoothly where he, he like finds like this, uh, this like strip club where they're bringing over women like against their will and forcing them to strip. And so he thinks he's going to do a good thing by like, killing their guard and letting well, them free. That's okay. So that's one thing I want to, I'm going to, I'm flagging this right now so we can come okay. back to it later. Sure. But I don't, it's never really clear that they're there against their will. It seems like he's it's, just assuming that it's actually quite vague. Yeah. But Okay. Go on. Yeah. Can, and let's so finish the summary first. He thinks he's going to kill this guard and let them all free and he shoots the guard but then gets attacked by one of the strippers and is like getting the shit beat out of him basically yeah, she beats and so the crap out of him. she gives him a good whooping. Yeah, and so he ends up shooting her uh who didn't do anything and then he just runs away before he figure out figures out what happened um or before he can see what happened. So uh, Meanwhile, his roommate is wondering, where are, have you been sneaking off to in the middle of the night? Right, and thinks that... He gets that, paranoid and assumes that our guy is going over and, and sticking it to Kira, the girl. Which, which he is, is but which just... Is true. But just not at this time. He's yeah. actually killing someone at this time. Yeah. Um, uh, so, and, then he com- and, then, and then he comes... So then, so then Mason and Kira are at the apartment, like, fighting... Because Mason thinks that there's an affair going on, and then uh, I wish I could remember his home. name. Narrator uh, comes home covered in blood from getting the crap beat out of him by a stripper, and just all swollen and bruised and like bleeding everywhere, which effectively kind of throws Mason off the trail of the affair, right? Because it's like, okay, well, clearly you're into some dark stuff. Yeah. So, uh, and he tells them like he's been going out and like getting in fights. Like, yeah. because he's so depressed, like, he's been going out and, like, getting in bar fights. And apparently um, this somehow destroys his relationship with Kira. Which yeah. Which I wasn't I, clear on why. Well, I think just because, like, I think she's a little scared of him now and, like, you yeah. know, sees him as, like, unstable, which he definitely is, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, they're totally hooking up again in a couple issues. Yeah, probably. Uh, but, man, this, this series is so dark. Uh, it's very good. It's very, very well sweet. written, but like, this is like the second issue a row in a row where I finished it and like not felt good. Like I feel like sick to my stomach. Like, <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Like oh, it's just it's so I eat just this stuff bleak. For breakfast, man. <laughs> it's just so bleak. Uh, and now, like you know, it. I felt bleak enough when like he was like lying to everybody and killing people, but now like he shoots that stripper like who is innocent. Uh, and that like just kind of you know messed with me and you know, uh, but I want to know what you thought of the last page. So on the last page, we see a stack of drawings that his dad had made because I guess his dad was like a pulp artist, yeah. and one of them shows the demon 
that he spoke to. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. And I so I wasn't sure if he's actually if the demon is actually there. Like so, if, like if he's there in the drawing or if he's like manifesting there. Like you know what I mean? That's what's unclear. So I can see this being taken one of two ways. Either the demon is now manifesting in this artwork and watching him or this was something that his dad drew years ago and just sort of slipped into his subconscious and that he has been hallucinating the whole thing. That he hallucinated this demon based on one of his dad's illustrations. Yeah. And that's what I think it is. That's what I think it's meant to mean is that this is something that's been in these boxes for a long time and he doesn't realize it. And so he's been hallucinating the whole thing. Well, where does it actually... Hold on, I'm trying to look at the page right now. Is it clear, like, where it's being depicted that that page itself is laying? It's sitting on top, it looks like, of these boxes in his room. Yeah, like, that's so, the like, picture on top. He he must have, like, recently seen that. Or he's, like, seriously gone crazy, and he was speaking to the picture and thinking that it was a real demon. But it can't be that it's just like it's been so long since he saw it that he's forgotten about it. You know, like he has. Yeah, because it is on top. There. Yeah. Yeah, like it's right there. I'm looking at it now, and it's like it's the thing it's on, on top, top. And Kira picks it up, and she's like, "No wonder you're such a weirdo." Yeah. So either he's hallucinating and talking to this magazine, or the demon is like manifesting itself in these magazines to watch him. And I think the first one seems more plausible to me. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I will look forward to the resolution of that that conflict. Yeah. Um, but back to the back to the guy that he murders in this issue. Yeah, it's well, not... we don't even know if he was successful. He just shoots him in the shoulder. No, oh, he really? keeps shooting him. No, he keeps shooting him. Never mind. He shoots him a couple times. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah, yeah. That guy's dead. Yeah. Um, it's not Dylan. Clear to that's me his that... name, Dylan. It's not clear. Okay, great. It's not clear to me that this guy actually deserved to die. No, not at all. Because Dylan does say like. These are the kinds of situations where the girls come over to work in the strip club as, like, their ticket to America. Like, they get a passport and they get passage over here and to work it off, they work in the strip club. So the way that he explained it makes it sound like, you know, this is a thing that is voluntary and that they're doing it as a means of getting to the States. Yeah, it's – I mean, there's always, like – but do they choose to stay there or is it one of the things where like, you know, they hook them on drugs and keep them there and stuff, but that's never made clear at all. So, right. so it is I, like, and he even admits that like killing this dude's not going to really do anything because he's not the head of it or anything. He's just a guard. Well, yeah, but know? I feel like it's not really about that. It's supposed to be right. about just like people getting what's coming to them for being bad right. people, which is part of what makes it satisfying when he, when he does it. Yeah. Um, but with, to me, it was kind of like, well, I mean, is this guy really necessarily a bad guy just cause he, just cause he works for a, a Russian strip club? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's like part of why this whole job in this issue is a botch, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause he talks a lot about just like how freaking hard it is to find someone to kill. Yeah. And it, in a way it almost does make it seem kind of like he's just like, well, I guess this this is good probably. <laughs> like yeah. even he's kind of unsure. And and like and he also worries that like because he killed the the stripper like will that cancel out the bad person that he killed? Like will he have to kill someone else this month? 
Um, yeah. So, uh, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, this series continues to be really good, but like at the same time, I kind of, I'm, I'm really excited for it whenever it comes out. And I also kind of dread it because, <laughs> uh, I know it's just going to be brutal. Yeah. I don't, I don't have that. I don't have that. Not, it's, it's not for the week, week of stomach. I just like it. I just plain just like it. I'm just like yeah. more, please. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, uh, before we move on and talk a little bit about Pokemon, because it's getting pretty late in the game here, uh, I will just briefly mention some other great books I read this week because there's a lot of books I read week to week that are really, really great that I don't necessarily talk about on the show because they're just consistently amazing and uh, I don't necessarily have something specific to talk about. But I talked about Black Hammer last month when it came out. Black Hammer number five from Jeff Lemire continues to be like the best indie series that I think I'm reading right now. Who's uh, publishing that? Image. Or no, that's Black or Dark Horse, actually. That's Dark Horse okay. that's doing uh, Black Hammer about yeah, like I started justice. reading the first issue and Oh really? And I didn't dislike it, but I just like didn't ever finish that issue and just like okay. still haven't gotten into it. I think it's a really interesting take on like Justice League type superheroes who are now put in like exile and not allowed to be superheroes anymore. Oh, and, is uh, that what it is? Okay. Yeah. They're sort of like living on this farm and they've been exiled there and they can't. It's a pretty slow save burn anybody. the way it starts up. Um, yeah. And it's really about the dynamics between these heroes when they have to like live together. Uh, and it's sort of each issue is now showing like the origin story of each person that's living there. So like goes back and shows who they were before they got trapped here. And so you're learning more about the characters, every single issue. And, uh, this issue especially is about this, uh, space explorer called Dr. Weird, I think his name is and how he got trapped in this time loop and, uh, uh, now has to like, wander and like watch the love of his life get killed over and over again and he's sort of like lost his mind now uh so this was like kind of a really trippy sort of uh interstellar if anyone's seen like the last scene of interstellar it was kind of like that uh, like if a person was like trapped in that um okay and it was really really great uh reborn number two came out this uh, this week, which was that series from Mark Miller I talked about last month where when you die, you like reawaken this like fantasy realm. Uh, and man, it's, it's keeps being weird. I will update if it like suddenly makes the jump to amazing right now. It's just like consistently good. Um, black Panther still one of my favorite series out there, but I know it's pretty heady, so I don't usually talk about it here. Um, and Oh, Thanos number one came out this week. Uh, I've talked about before how I'm really into cosmic Marvel, but a lot of it can be a lot for new readers. If you are a new reader that wants to like learn about the stuff outside of Earth, outside of the Avengers, like all the cosmic Marvel characters, Thanos number one is the place to do it. Amazing well, the Avengers, art. The Avengers do kind of wade into all that stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, they definitely do. Isn't Thanos primarily an Avengers adversary? Thanos is an Avengers adversary, but this is like all the characters that like rarely come by earth, like this character called the champion. And like, these are mostly like guardians of the galaxy characters or, uh, you know, sort of more of the, the cosmic side of the universe that sometimes interacts with the earth characters, but not always. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's kind of isolated from all those guys. And, uh, 
really great script by Jeff Lemire, amazing art by Mike Diodato that really makes it feel really cinematic. Um, and it's dark, you know, you're following the biggest villain, like the most evil person. Like Dr. Doom is probably the biggest villain, but he has like good in him. Thanos is like straight up evil for evil's sake, you know? And, uh, it's, uh, this, I thought this was a, a really great first issue and, uh, I'll definitely be following it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I did take a look at it at this issue and I, I noticed the art was, was very cool. Yeah. Uh, Mike Diodato just recently did the, uh, original Invincible Iron Man, uh, when it was still Tony Stark and, uh, did a really great job on it. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, so what level are your Pokemons? They're all around 15 to 18 right now. I've, I just beat the first trial. Uh, so I'm about six hours into the game. Um, and, uh, I love, I love it. I think Sun Moon is really strong so far. Um, I'm really disappointed by the lack of 3d in the battles. Yeah, me too. That was one of my big things. Like, where did the 3d go? It's only there. It looks like when you're using the camera, like when you're like taking pictures of the Pokemon, it's quite strange. I've heard that that's to make it easier to port over to the Switch, but... Yeah, that is what that people are saying. I've also true. seen comments online that they took it out to make the game run better. Yeah, I can I, see that. Or to <clears throat> to fit more stuff, maybe. You know, like, it I'm does, sure the 3D, like, takes up more space on the cartridge. and It does so far seem like it's a pretty massive game. Yeah. There seems to be a lot of content. Because I've been playing, like I said before, for, like, a solid, I think, 13 or 14 hours... Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm probably like halfway through. Okay. Just with yeah. just with like the it's main story big. mode. How many and trials have you I'm, been through? The trials uh, have replaced gyms for those who haven't played it yet. Yeah. Uh, there's not really gym battles anymore. There are these trials where you fight like a series of Pokemon and then a totem Pokemon, which is like a super powerful giant Pokemon who has like allies that help him in the battle. So you're you're not fighting like a trainer. Well, I've fought the first island is just one trial, and then you fight yep. the Kahuna, and then yeah. the second island has three trials, and then you fight and, the Kahuna. Okay, and I've so done all been through, through those. I've, I've been through all that. Okay, so you have three trials left. It sounds like. Are there? Because there's seven. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, in the first trial, they tell you that there's seven trials across the okay. islands. Um, the other, th- my one complaint, other than the 3D, is that the tutorial stuff goes on for way too long. Yeah. Like, I can't remember a Pokemon series ever holding your hand this much through so much of it. Like, I've, I just finished the first trial, and I feel like now I've finally been like, now be a trainer. And I, I don't even know if I'm not through it yet, you know? And it's been six hours, and I feel like it's still holding my hand too much. Yeah, you know? there's. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's still going to be some of that, like, stuff you have to yeah. learn. Which, and, But like I said, it kind of stands to the fact that, like, this is a massive game. I think it's the biggest, you know, the biggest Pokemon game they've come out with. And I think they're yeah. kind of gradually taking some steps toward making this more of a full RPG. Yeah. Um, which I'm I, all in favor of because I've been dying for more Pokemon content for years. Because I kind of, you know, I outgrew the basic structure of these games like a pretty long time ago. And I'm, right. I've just been still playing because... <clears throat> Obviously, I'm a Pokemon master, so I have to. <laughs> and uh, just the nostalgia and kind of the enjoyment I get from like seeing the new designs and stuff like that. But I'm yeah. all for having a kind of a more robust and involved Pokemon game. And I hope that's kind of the direction that they're going. I feel like they're kind of testing the waters right now. 
Yeah. I will say I'm sort of a casual Pokemon gamer, and I was uh, talking to a friend who's like a serious uh Pokemon trainer kind of person. He was talking about how he turns off the battle animations like first thing because you get to the end so much faster. Um, that's and so lame. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I, I, I really like kind of the sentimental stuff. Like I, my favorite part of this game is how well the like Pokemon Ami features are like actually integrated this time. Like in Pokemon X and Y, like you could feed the characters or, or you could feed your Pokemon or pet them or whatever, but it wasn't part of the game. It was like a separate thing. It was optional. You would just go into if you wanted yeah. to. Yeah. But this is like built into the game. Like after your battles, you clean up your Pokemon, you know, because right. they get tired or they get, you know, it can help clear their status stuff. But also like the Pokemon have personalities when they're fighting. Like when you're in a battle, it will say like, Munchlax, you know, uh, broke out of his paralysis so that you wouldn't worry about him or something like that. He, like, powered through his paralysis so you wouldn't worry. Or, like, uh, you know, Pichu is wondering about your fashion choices and stuff like that. Like, I feel like it gives the Pokemon such identity that really makes me care about my team in a way that I that I haven't before with the other Pokemon games. I haven't noticed that too much other than a couple times where it was, like, said something like... Uh... My Dartrix, my, well, now he's a Decidueye. He just evolved today. Yeah. But his name's Owly, and it'll say, like, Owly is worried about, like, doing a good job for you yeah. or something like that. And I was like, wait, what? Did I did I, did I do something wrong? <laughs> well, I, I, I wonder if those messages come up more the more you interact with them in that kind of menu. Because I do spend a lot of time, like, petting them and feeding them and, like, stuff like that. I try to make a point to do that. And, like, I was just fighting a battle earlier and, like, my Munchlax was, like, down into the yellow. And it was like, Munchlax is looking pretty hurt. It looks like he's about to cry. And I was like, oh, Munchlax. <laughs> Don't hurt my Munchlax. Don't make him cry. And oh, so then wow. I like a, then I use a Z move to just like annihilate the opponent so that uh, you know my Munchlax wouldn't cry, uh, nice. and I give him a super potion. But like I I, I had uh, this thing where like I caught a Ghastly in the cemetery and it was like level eight or something. And then I went in and I pet it and I feed it. And then I f- saw another Ghastly that was level eleven. And I was like, well, I could just catch this higher powered Ghastly and not bother training the level eight one. But I was like. But I like this one. This one's mine. I pet him already. Like <laughs> I like I got sentimental and attached to him. I was like, we I'll just have train a connection. <laughs> yeah, like I I really like that uh you do kind of develop it, it helps develop like a personal connection to the Pokemon better than I think the previous games have, and I really enjoy that. That's cool. You actually made yeah. me want to pay more attention to that feature because I haven't really I like I brush him off, like I'll dust him off and stuff. Yeah. But that's it. That's all I've done so far. Well, the other interesting thing, so if listeners don't know, if you've bought Sunder Moon, you can get a free Munchlax uh, through Mystery Gift uh, yeah. up until the end of December. Uh, but Munchlax evolves based on friendship, not based on level. So it depends on how much you use him and how much he likes you, and then he'll end up evolving, um, which I think is a interesting mechanic for him. Yeah. Um, I also really like, I like Z-moves way better than Mega Evolution. Mega Evolution never really made sense to me in Pokemon X and Y because it there was never a downside to doing it, right? It was like, if you had the Mega Evolution available, you would do it first thing in a battle and get stronger. And well, okay, there is what, one Was there a downside? There's one reason to not do it, which is okay. when you Mega Evolve, it changes their ability a lot of the time. Okay. So in some competitive situations, you might be better off with the ability that the un 
the non-mega yeah. form has. But for and like casual like, players, you might like choose me, a strategic you know? time to evolve it, and then also yeah. you can only evolve mega evolve one Pokemon per battle. Right. So you have to like but, carefully choose which one you want to do it with. And that was it, one of my complaints with X and Y because it seems like not many Pokemon had Mega Evolutions. There were a good amount. There were a, there were a few. But I mean, the ones that I really wanted seemed like they had them, like Aerodactyl. That's the yeah. one. I mean, that was my go-to. I feel like I had like two or three that could Mega Evolve, and that was it. But Z moves seem more strategic because you can just use one per battle total. So you have to decide when you want to use it against who with which Pokemon. Like it seems a lot more strategic to me. Um, I'm yeah. I don't know. I'm not that crazy about Z moves really because really? because if I can only use one per battle, then do I want to give the <clears throat> Z crystals to more than one of my Pokemon? Yeah, I think you can. But do I want to do that? Because that, oh, right. then they're holding that at the expense of something they could have actually used in that battle. Right. And so that is, that's part of the what you have to decide. You know, I think there's a lot more thinking to it than there was <clears> in Mega Evolution. It's like, do I want them to hold something else or do I want them to do this and use this move? Or It's also compatible with more Pokemon because it's based on type and not like which Pokemon can do it, you know? Yeah. Um, I have found that it makes some of like the casual trainer battles less interesting because you can just beat them all with a Z move, you know, if they've only got one Pokemon and like end the battle. But I found the damage from some of my Z moves to be completely underwhelming. Really? Yeah. I mean, I just got access to them, so I've only used them a couple times. But which is funny because the animations for them are just like so completely overkill, like overblown. Like it looks like the world yeah. just got destroyed. I love and it. Then, and then it, like, won't even knock out the Pokemon, and it's just like, okay. Like, <laughs> w- wait till you get the fire one, and then it's just like, okay, nothing could survive that. Right. But then it, like, but then they do, and it's just <laughs> like, well, that's funny. Yeah. Anyways, uh, any closing thoughts on this? We should probably wrap it up. We should. Um, well, uh, yeah, uh, not really. We'll um, talk we about it maybe as we progress. Yeah, we'll, we'll battle. Once you uh, once you do a little bit of catching up, because I'm obviously yeah. a thousand times stronger than you right now. Yep, that's true. I got a lot of work this week, so we'll see if I have time to to catch up. But uh, alrighty, yeah. Um, that'll do it for episode ten of Pretty Much Obsessed. So again, tweet us your uh, suggestions, your comments, your complaints, your compliments. Uh, to take win that T-shirt obsessed. and yeah, you can take get my Christmas in- present away from me. Entered into a drawing to win a sweet Empire Strikes Back graphic t-shirt and in the process steal Dalton's Christmas gift right Mm -hmm. out of his little tiny baby hands. We want you to be a Grinch. That's right. Mm -hmm. It'll be very satisfying for you, I think. (laughs) All right. Well, we will see you guys next week where we will talk about more comic books. Because that's what we do. All right. Have a good week, guys. Bye-bye.